You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And bringing you today's episode is MyBookie. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. You can even enter for a chance to win their million dollar bracket challenge. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie today. Play, win, and get paid at mybookie.ag. So you can check that out. And Frank, uh, thinking a little bit about this Bucks team, it's kind of a, I mean, I just kind of think this is like a weird spot because I, I was talking with some people about that game last, or I guess now two nights ago, um, and I, I don't even, I, I, I can't even comprehend the other things that occurred in the game because, like, the Brandon Jennings near triple-double just kind of, like, blinded me from even thinking about anything else in it. Like, it's just such a strange event, such a weird happening, such a just, I don't even know, just, it's it's difficult to comprehend the game that occurred because in the year 2018... Brandon Jennings had a triple double in the first NBA game he had played in over a year. Like, I'd, it's just a strange thing to say. Yeah, and I mean, I remember even during Brandon Jennings' best days in Milwaukee. I mean, it was rare to see a double-digit assist game from Brandon Jennings, right? And yeah. certainly, uh, you know, the talent around him was was often lacking. I mean, the mere fact that Brandon Jennings was the Bucks' leading scorer uh, for uh, what was it three out of four years, two out of four years? Yeah. Um, is is pretty crazy because he's, I mean, a super ineffective, ineffective scorer from an efficiency standpoint, and he's so hot and cold. But obviously, um, you know, he's a wild card now as an off the bench guy. Uh, you know, to to everyone who watches Always Sunny, uh, the episode where what what is it? The gang solves the gas crisis. I think was the name yeah. of the episode where uh, the lovable Charlie Kelly, uh, uh, where they're trying to figure out the, the who's going to be the brains muscle. What is it? Brains, muscle, uh, looks, I think. Yeah. And then they're I mean, like, they forgot about wild card. And yeah. Brandon Jennings is absolutely a wild card in this in this current iteration of the Milwaukee Bucks. And, um, you know, again, I mean, this is a guy who, what, a week ago had an 0 for 10 game with zero points in the G League. Yep. And in his first game in Milwaukee, uh, or for Milwaukee, uh, back in the NBA after a year, he, you know, he obviously makes three threes and, dishes out a bunch of assists and, and obviously it was about as, as good of a debut as, as you could have expected. So, um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, again, the, like I said yesterday, I mean, you know, the 10 day is already paid for in terms of performance, <laughs> you know, he, he, they, they have house money at this point. They're playing with house money. And, um, you know, if he gives them anything over these next few games, then you're going to feel still very good about that, that 10 day contract. And 
you know, with the lack of other options available at this point, you know, anybody else who's played on an NBA team at this point this year that isn't signed uh, wouldn't be playoff eligible. So certainly if nothing else as, as, you know, insurance at, at the guard spot, um, Jennings obviously, you know, is, is obviously making a, made a very compelling case for himself in game one. There's a good chance that that's the best, you know, I would say if you ask me to bet, will that be the best performance Brandon Jennings has in the Bucks uniform this year? I would say yes. Um, it's probably going to be hard for him to top that one. But, um, you know, either way, if, if he can, you know, just be a guy that forces defense to defense to account for him behind the three point line and, you know, can move the ball uh, a bit and just make solid decisions as, as, you know, whenever he does get run with the second unit, um, then, you know, again, he can potentially give you something that that's useful with this team, especially with, you know, the timelines for Delavadova and Brogdon still, still a bit unclear. A little bit of sad news today. Who's our boy from Memphis? Uh, Xavier Raton right. Mays. Yes. Apparently uh, he played at Florida state, which I was completely unaware of, but yes. Our, yeah, our sad, man. sad news for him today. He didn't get a second 10 day, which, you know, <laughs> I think anyone who watched that game is just in total shock. shock. I can't, I can't believe shock. that he didn't. It, I mean, I don't know how you, how you want to give him another one after that. But you know, just a, uh, just kind of sad. Gri- to the Grizz are the Grizz are the Grizz are not serious about their tanking efforts. Clearly, <laughs> Xavier was uh, was was doing nothing. He was he was uh, tank. He was tank commanding uh, with, was. Uh, with the best of them. But, so yeah. you you mentioned Jennings having the kind of the best possible game um, last night. I mentioned. I'd be curious to see Jennings' potential assist to actual assist. And Jennings is an anomaly in the Matrix. Um, because <laughs> NBA stats, the, the tracking stats right now, so tracking player passing, has him down for a potential 10 assists in that game. <laughs> he had 12, so Frank. He had 12 so assists. And the potential assist he had was 10. So either a score marks something down wrong, the tracking numbers have been messed up, but somehow he has more assists than potential assists, which is just wildly impressive. Well, you know, some people give 110% Jennings last <laughs> night, literally gave 120% in terms of uh, in terms of his assists, so... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm impressed. Um, if if he can keep that up, uh, he'll he'll break the NBA's uh, stats page, I guess. <laughs> uh, all right, so we promised some talk that would possibly bring the mood down. Um, which uh, I mean, thinking about our history here on Lockdown Bucks is almost a guarantee. Yeah, we gotta yeah we gotta bring the mood down a little bit here. We don't want people to be happy for more than like. <laughs> A few hours at a time. No more fun and good vibes. We are done <laughs> with all of that. Um, but one thing we wanted to talk about, and you had even mentioned um, another podcast that you had heard. So essentially, uh, I should get some cheesy music and call this like talking about other people talking about the Bucks because that's what we're going to do here. But uh, we talked a little bit about Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnovitz. Uh, they did a breakdown of the Eastern Conference teams, um, and or the Eastern Conference playoff teams, excuse me, last at the end of last week, and kind of broke down where teams were and what you could expect from them the rest of the season and kind of how they thought that whole Eastern Conference playoff race would shake out. And... Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting to hear them bounce around. And obviously it's always good to hear smart people talk about kind of other teams and give you a better idea about the NBA. Um, but I think they ended up spending 10, 15 minutes on the Milwaukee Bucks. And 
man, I'm trying to think if there was something positive that came out of it. Um, <laughs> well, well, I guess I guess the positive is that the their conclusion was not that the Bucks should be bad or that the Bucks should be mediocre and this is all yeah. just expected, right? Like the the clearly Zach and and Kevin both are guys that want this Bucks team or see things in this Bucks team that make them think that they should be better than they are, right? Which is a yeah. feeling that certainly. Um, you know, we along with many Bucks fans have felt, you know, all, all year. And obviously that was a big part of the rationale for, for the, you know, the front office decided to move on from, from Jason Kidd. So, so I guess that is the, that is the positive, right? Um, obviously everybody loves Giannis. I don't even know if they really talk much about Giannis because it's just sort of at this point, you know, but yeah, Giannis He's is great. great. That's, yeah. that's given. Right. Um, but yeah, certainly I would say the tone otherwise was one of, um, Frustration. I think Kevin even said that, uh, said so much that they're just a frustrating team. And, um, you know, we can kind of chalk down the, you know, tick down the list of, of things that they talked about. But um, certainly there was, a, you know, I think Kevin started with just talking about just some of the, the offensive sets and just kind of like the lack of like a coherent philosophy around like what you see them do. Um, and, and certainly that is something that, you know, we've talked about how the, the, the starters, and, and we saw this again in Memphis, as much as this was a game that the Bucks obviously won going away, the starters all had positive, you know, net ratings. This was, this was nearly Giannis's the first game that Giannis had a negative rating and that the Bucks won their own 22 and he has a negative plus minus, but he ended up getting a positive one in the fourth quarter. But, um, first quarter again, they did not come out well and, you know, Kevin talked about just, I forget the, the example he used, but it was like, you know, example of like a handoff for Bledsoe, like going away from the basket. <laughs> just, yep. You know, like, you know, we and can then all imagine. And like then an Bledsoe. elbow entry for John Henson that ended John in Henson, John yes. Henson trying to take someone off the dribble. Like. Yes. Yeah, he tried to split two defenders and lost it. I think I could still remember that play he was talking about. I think that might have been, was that, I think that was against, Indi- I think he was talking about watching them yeah. uh, against Indi- in Indiana, the game that they lost, pretty a pretty close game. Um, and just, I think we all recall, I mean, there were just so many possessions where it was just like, you know, the basketball equivalent of like a balloon deflating, you know, just, <laughs> you know, just like, oh God, why was that? Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that's not, that's not the, you know, that's not the, the metaphor you want to draw uh, with, with sort of your offensive philosophy. Obviously the last couple of games, they've, they've, they've started to look a lot healthier against a couple of bad teams, but um, certainly a lot of that frustration, which is sort of like, how do the Bucks try to construct an offense that, you know, builds on the talent they have and, and utilizes those pieces in coherent ways. I mean, that's, that's something that obviously I think has been a, a major point of frustration for, for weeks now. And for me, I think a point of frustration is the fact that those guys only had to talk about it for 12 minutes. Like, we have to talk about it for 30 minutes every day. There you go. <laughs> I, I was trying to, they really got to distill it down and just talk about yeah. one game of bad possessions. And uh, in the last month, we've had, I don't even know, every game of bad possessions. Uh, but I, I thought the, the big takeaway was something that we've hit on throughout this year, that there just isn't a system in place that makes all that much sense with the pieces that the Bucks have. It, from time to time, there'll be a good set that you'll say, oh, that makes a lot of sense. You'll see like Jabari get an elbow touch and run something creative out of that. You'll see... Uh, a set that somehow gets into a Giannis Bledsoe pick and roll, and that looks good, or maybe vice versa, and that looks good. 
you'll see something that leverages Chris, oh no I've never seen that um, I was going to say that you'll see a set that leverages Chris Middleton but uh, I'm not sure I've seen one of those um, cer- cer- certainly not his three point shooting ability um, but you'll see just moments of that but the entire system is not there and and that was the I thought the major takeaway from Kevin was that these things need to be systemized that you need to find a way to make all of these pieces come together and this was something we did, we had discussed last week where you see Chris Middleton on the floor with Giannis and I think both of us have long discussed the value that Chris Middleton presents to any team like the, he's just a valuable player in that he spreads the floor he's able to uh, do some he's able to create a little bit as well he's able to be a very versatile piece offensively and we just don't really see a lot of that and I think I don't even know if you said this on the podcast but one time before we were recording you mentioned that like you, you don't even see like a bump for the situation that Giannis is in with Chris Middleton on the floor. Like, you don't see... Like, it's not like, oh, Chris is on the floor with Giannis. Oh, there's going to be a ton of good looks here. There's going to be a lot more space. Like, everything just kind of looks like... Bleh. The entire time, no matter who's on the floor. And, uh, I mean... Uh, like, like I said, it, it it felt like a locked on bucks, a month of locked on bucks, distilled down into one kind of twelve minute uh, discussion. But uh, to me, uh, that just keeps coming up again and again. And the the tough part is, we know we're not going to see anything different, right? Like th- this is not going to change in the final fifteen games of the season and in the playoffs. Like they are stuck doing this. And uh, I've mentioned to you a number of times that. Uh, I would love a fast forward button. Like uh, as much as I enjoy watching the Bucks, as much as I enjoy watching and covering basketball, like I don't know how much Talk, I'm... and and talking to me, obviously. Yes, of course. I, I figured that was just assumed. Um, but as much as I enjoy doing all those things, like am I learning anything about this Bucks team anymore? I don't think so. Like I, I've seen kind of I, I've seen this offense i've seen the way these pieces work together when they're not put together all that well like i've seen all these things and i don't know necessarily what i'm learning at at this point anymore and i thought kevin's point about systemizing everything made a lot of sense to me because yeah you're kind of in a in a tough spot here yeah, and, and obviously the Bucks, you know, Joe Prent, I mean, there's obviously a, a system, right? I mean, there there's sets that the Bucks yeah. like to run and, and things the Bucks do, you know. I mean, certainly, um, you know, one of the things that that, that Kevin bemoaned was, uh, you know, John Henson catching the ball, you know, at the elbow or elbow extended. And, you know, we've seen the like the corner series. I mean, that's been a staple of, of the Prenty slash kid offenses for years, right? Dating back to, you know, Zaza Pachulia running that as well. Um, where, you know, you get basically handoffs and, and, you know, Giannis or whoever, you know, Middleton guys screening in the corner, going to the basket, a guy coming off, um, for a handoff, things like that. I mean, obviously there are like things the Bucks do, um, in that regard that, that are pretty consistent, obviously, you know, like every team you see, you know, a, a reasonable diet of pick and rolls with the Bucks historic. They've never been a big pick and roll team. Um, but yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, and, and it's felt like this. And, and I said before, I was like, oh, you know, the frustration the last few weeks. In, in fairness, I think a lot of this is it goes back, you know, years. Right. I mean, yeah. no one ever accused Jason Kidd of running like the most free flowing 
uh, open, fun, interesting offense, right? I mean, um, and and again, I mean, the last year plus, you know, last season, this season, I mean, they've been above average. So certainly, it's taken a you know, not taken a, a major step forward in terms of effectiveness. Um, but you know, I think most of us would say, well, you know, that's because you've got you know a top now five player in Giannis, who's a third leading scorer in the NBA at high efficiency, and you know, you've got some talented offensive players, right? I mean, you've got Chris Middleton, you know, turning water into wine uh, with all these mid-range jumpers that just seem to go in despite the fact that they're not great shots. Um, and, you know, obviously you've got other guys like Bledsoe, Brogdon, et cetera, uh, Jabari Parker now a little bit as well, um, who have offensive talent. And, and obviously that is probably, you know, the bigger reason for what we're seeing rather than um, you know, again, like a super innovative play calling or whatever. And again, I don't want to like diminish Joe Prunty because again, you know, Joe Prunty in particular, I think is, you know, his pedigree. I mean, he, he was in San Antonio, won championships there. Um, he knows more about this game than certainly both of us, you know, combined times 10, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so not to diminish that. And there are obviously, you know, there are reasons why you see this, right? I mean, you know, why does John Henson catch the ball 20 feet from the hoop? Well, it's because he can't space the floor as a jump shooter. So, you know, how do you create spacing? How do you drag yeah. a, a center away from the basket? Well, you know, sets like that are ways that you can do that. So it's not like to act like, oh, this is totally illogical and like just a total pile of garbage. I mean, whenever we talk about, you know, the Bucks struggles offensively, you know, or, or people kind of tweet at us. I mean, it, it's not like. I, I ever hear many, many ideas that like are like foolproof or whatever, like, yeah. you know, running good offense. I mean, it's not easy, um, but obviously the Bucks seem to have kind of, you know, hit a wall to some extent. And all you have to do, you know, is is look at kind of where they, they to take shots from and where their best players take shots from. And, um, you know, on the Dunked On podcast, they did their 15 and 60 uh, Eastern Conference Review Sunday night worth a listen. I think they start talking about the Bucks around the one hour mark, if I recall correctly. And, um, you know, they just talked about some of those, some of those issues. I mean, just, this is a team that defensively, um, I think, I think Kevin and Zach talked about as well, but defensively the shot chart really hasn't improved since, you know, the kid firing. Um, I think, you know, defensively, you know, again, what we talked about earlier in the season, it's not like there was ever just a, you know, flip the switch, change the scheme, drop the pick and roll guy on the pick and roll, and then like all your troubles will be solved. There's obviously kind of broader issues here. And, you know, again, I don't think the Bucks should have been as bad as they were even running an aggressive scheme, right? Like uh, a different coaching staff running a more aggressive scheme could have been better than they were other than that first yeah. year. And so I think it's one of those things, you know, you're going to need a full training camp, a full summer with a new staff to really kind of probably fix what they've, you know, their issues defensively. But, um, but offensively, at least they've had some success um, the last couple of years. But it just seems like they've had a hard time kind of shifting that and kind of taking that next step. And, you know, a lot of things we talk about, not shooting a lot of three-pointers, um, you know, settling for a lot of mid-range jumpers. You know, Chris and, and quietly Giannis as well. I mean, both those guys shoot tons of mid-range jumpers. And again, like, you know, modern NBA, you know, Chris, I, I can understand to the extent that Chris is very good at them, and I can understand to the extent that you know Giannis, you know, can't just only shoot threes and layups. Um, you know, he's gonna have to have some mid-range jumpers in there just because you know he's gonna probe and not always have shots. And if guys sag off him, then you know you want to have a mid-range jump shot. But um, you know, again, I, I think and I think Zach and or, uh, I think Nate and, and Danny talked about you know the the, the fadeaway jump shots, settling for those kinds of shots are tough because. 
you know, like we were saying as well, there's no like counter obvious counter move to that, right? Like yep. once you turn around and do a, a turnaround jump shot, like the defense isn't collapsing. You're not going to whip the ball inside for a layup. You know, you're pretty much settling That's at it. that point for a 20% shot or whatever, whatever it might be. So and only one person um, covering you, like yeah, only the person exactly. that's on you is covering you because, well, a helper is not going to be able to help on a fadeaway jumper. Like they just are going to sag back to where they need to, or get back to their man and box out. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it, again, and some of this isn't even so much like just, Oh, they need to run more of this player, that play. I mean, I think just philosophically, I think yep. it's just been a struggle, and this goes back to Jason Kidd and the fact that Jason Kidd just, you know, I mean, so much of his, so much of his ethos as an offensive guy, and obviously, I assume this reflects also Joe Prunty has been just mismatched basketball, right? Yep. And you know, so especially early on in his tenure, so much of what he tried to do was just find mismatches. If that meant posting up Kendall Marshall three straight times against JJ Barea. That's weird. Um, I don't know if you're going to really, you know, win a game <laughs> using that using that approach. Um, but that's what so much of the Bucks early on were were about, and they they didn't shoot a lot of threes, and they've increased their three pointers the last couple of years. But it, it it was never something where that was, you know, it was almost like begrudgingly Jason Kidd, uh, you know, said, "All right, we'll start shooting threes, You know, and so it it's just been a struggle to see the team do that and. You know, we were talking on Twitter today um, about, you know, uh, the Toronto. I think in, in light of you, you tweeted something about Nick Nurse, who's an assistant coach with the Raptors, um, who's gotten a lot of credit for their offensive improvement and, and the fact that they've been a top tier offensive team. And this this like practice game they do where, you know, they basically basically score the game differently. They don't provide any value for or they provide less value for a mid range jumper. And they provide more points for, you know, corner threes and threes and layups. And it's basically meant to just sort of like drill out sort of bad, low efficiency tendencies. And, you know, I was joking that if that was used in a Bucks practice, Chris Middleton would, you know, see his scoring average like cut by two thirds or something like that. Because <laughs> all he does yeah. is shoot middle range, mid range jumpers and he's really good at them. But, you know, again, um, that's that's not the way you tend to win games. So, yeah, it, it's an interesting kind of, I think, really core problem the Bucks have and again like you know you can't just you know the the front office isn't just going to go tell Joe Prunty to go sh- oh we want to shoot more threes or you know Prunty isn't just going to tell the team oh go shoot more threes right I think I think the Bucks have had a problem because they've I think sent mixed messages and I think Kid has sent mixed messages about this and yep. you know again I think if you want you know like we always say if you want your team to shoot more threes you can't be mad when they shoot more threes um, you yep. know, just, just cause they don't go in, but you know, we always think back, you know, the, the Giannis and Jabari being like forbidden from shooting threes early in their careers, things like that. Um, you know, that, that's something that, you know, you look at like Mike D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni would never tell any player he can't take a shot. Right. Or he, that's one of the things like they, they don't, <laughs> Mike, Mike D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni does not pull players for taking bad shots before, and, you know, at, before the, before the Rockets game, when he was in Milwaukee, the conversation he was having pregame with one of the reporters in Houston was that he need like the new guys to his system weren't comfortable with shooting as much as he wanted them to. Like 
he was upset that they weren't shooting it more. He was like, yeah, you know, you get Chris in here. I'm trying to think who else is new there this year. Like PJ, Luke. He's like, you get those guys in here, and it's kind of taken them 50 games this season to understand just how much I want them to shoot it. Like they they were passing up too many shots that for our offense they need to shoot. Like think about the the insanity of that statement. Like the coach was they weren't shooting enough for him. Like that, that's that is a philosophical uh, shift. Like that is a very different approach. Yeah, and so whatever. I, I have obviously digressed significantly from sort of the, the original <laughs> point of this, no, but um, but but you know, yeah. I mean, this is this is I think the question for this summer is, you know, and these are the questions that I think you know if you're John Horst, if you're the rest of the front office, if you're you know ownership and you're interviewing head coaches. What do they, you know, what this is a Bucks team that, I mean, what has been this Bucks team's identity the last few years? They're basically a failed defensive first team yep. that, you know, has offensively just kind of, eh, we've got some talented guys, so hopefully they figure it out and hopefully we force enough turnovers to get some easy buckets and, you know, Jason Kidd wants to get close to the basket because those are easier shots, right? Right. That was always his thing. So they would get a lot of paint points and, you know, they had guys who could do that. But um, in terms of like crafting like a modern, you know, identity in the NBA, like I I don't know what, I don't think we've ever really gotten to the point of this team figuring out one that made sense for them. And that to me is like the biggest question for a new head coach is, you know, what are you doing? Obviously the personnel isn't, you know, you don't have the Rockets personnel, right? I'm not going to say that, oh, you could just go do what the Rockets do, do what D'Antoni does. Um, you know, we've seen Mike D'Antoni hasn't been able to win 60 games in, at every team that he's been at just because, yeah. you know, you need some personnel for this. But um, clearly the Bucks have have talent and, you know, how you how you deploy that to, to maximum effectiveness. That's something that certainly, you know, we've been certainly frustrated by for, for a while. And, um, you know, uh, it was, I guess, somewhat cathartic to hear Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnovitz sharing a lot of that frustration. Uh, and by the way, I, I found it amusing how Kevin um, started basically like was talking about that Henson play and, you know, basically like sort of like started diminishing John Henson and then sort of like spent the rest of the, uh, the rest of the conversation kind of like feeling bad that he's apologizing things. Yeah. Cause John's a nice guy and you know, a good conversation, whatever. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. And, and I guess originally I, the point about it being systemized, like it's not that the bucks don't have systems in, they do have systems in, but the key is making the system make sense. Like the elbow action made a ton of sense with Zaza Pachulia. Like it was it was very good because Zaza's a huge human being and he can put himself on the elbow and not get moved. So he's gonna catch right. it at he, that and he passes yeah, he passes so in screens well, right? Yeah, so he's gonna actually catch at the elbow. Like that that before you even get to the passing and screening, like that's where it all starts. He will catch the ball at the elbow because he can hold off the other big. So everything that you have in that system is based on the big having the ball at the elbow, not the big having the ball at 20 feet, not the big having the ball out beyond the three point line where Thon and John sometimes get pushed. Like having the ball at the elbow is kind of how all of that works. So Zaza could actually do that. And then on top of that, like you mentioned, Zaza was a great screener. And I I think John Henson has grown significantly as a screener over the years. Um, And And passer. He's gotten better as a passer. Yeah. Like he's grown in both of those things, but he's not, 
great at either of those things. Like those aren't what you think of him for. Um, and Thon obviously has a long way to go in both of those regards, both, well, I mean, just catching the ball and then passing and screening, like he has a long ways to go there. So when you're trying to run elbow series, corner series, you're trying to run that action through two skinny guys that can't hold their position at the elbow. What is your system doing? Like, uh, that's not a system that it, it it's starting in a flawed position, which means anything that you're running off of it just really is gonna gonna struggle to work. Sometimes it will, but a lot a lot of the times it won't. So, to me, the biggest disconnect has always been the last thing you mentioned, where the Bucks just don't really have an identity. Like they're running elbow series stuff even after Zaza had left, but then you sign. You signed Plumlee to a, what, four-year, $52 million deal? Is he an elbow guy? No. Yeah, he's a pick-and-roll guy, which he, he's a, don't he, do that much. He's either. a spread-pick-and-roll guy. So you just signed up personnel that doesn't make any sense in what you're trying to run. You, you sign a guy in Matthew Delvadova who's very good off-ball and working off of a guy who uh, in LeBron who had the ball all the time and commanded the ball and then – when he's here, you ask him to initiate the offense. You ask him to create out of pick and rolls. You ask him to do things that you know he's just not going to be good at. You sign Mirza Toledovich, and Mirza Toledovich is a guy that guns up threes, and you you really want to see shooting the ball all the time. And under Jason Kidd, he would get pulled for shooting threes and not being good enough defensively. Well, Mirza Toledovich is a three-point shooter who's not great defensively. So you, you can't be surprised. So there would, to me, there's just always been this disconnect between the team that you want to be and the personnel that you're signing to be that team. Like, that just hasn't matched up. And um, I think as you look at this offseason, I don't know how much of the personnel changes. Obviously, we've talked about the Bucks and how capped out they are and kind of the situation that they're in in that regard. So to me, this offseason is about shifting the coaching and strategy and tactics to make sense for that roster. Um, and that just it, that's something that hasn't happened uh, certainly not during the Jason Kidd era. Maybe in the first year. I think in the first year, most of most of what they did made sense. Like the the overhelping. The league still hadn't. The league was starting to shoot more threes, but not to the extent that it does now. Um, but I think Zaza on the elbow series made sense because some of the guys you had weren't quite ready for something more than that. Like I think that made some logical sense. But as the years went by, you got further and further away from that personnel making any sense in the in the tactics that you were running. So. And to me, that's that's what this offseason is about, and it's kind of sad that we're talking about this while the Bucks still have, I'm trying to think how many games they have left at this point, 17, 15, 16, I don't know the number, um, but however many games they have left, like, it's kind of sad that we're talking about it at this point, um, and obviously we were, we were kind of encouraged to have this conversation because Zach and Kevin had it, but it's disappointing that we're talking about this and not talking about how the Bucks can fine tune their themselves as they prepare for the playoffs. Like to me, I, I don't think that's a thing that they can even do. Like they just have to hope that they get healthy and that their guys play well, not figuring something out, tinkering just a little bit to get it just right. Like 
they just got to hope for for great performances from individuals which is never a great uh, it's just never a great thing to think about and at this point the parts are definitely definitely greater than the sum of those parts at this point like and again that's just not something you ever want to say about about a, a team on on any level yeah and, and one of the other things they talked about was um you know with especially with with Brogdon and Delavadova being out you know I think Zach may have mentioned you know like at, at some point like if you don't you just you need a core number of like NBA players and if you don't have that then you're going to start to to drop off, you know, like regardless of, of like your starters versus whatever. Um, and I think there is something to that. You know, I think we've talked about, um, you know, the point Giannis lineups being pretty terrible this year. And, and again, a lot of those have been with pretty poor, like, you know, like he, he hasn't been surrounded by good talent in those yeah. lineups either necessarily. Um, so he's been maybe kind of set up to, to fail, but, um, but I think it will be interesting to see what happens when those guys come back because, you know, we can talk about like, yeah, it's hurts not having Brockton. Absolutely. Right. Especially I think when, you know, if you don't have Brandon Jennings dropping near triple doubles, it hurts not to have Matthew Delvadova. Um, you know, when Jason Terry is effectively your backup point guard, that is, that is a bad place to be. Um, and so I think that has hurt, but, but again, as we've talked about, that doesn't explain the starters sudden inability to really, show any level of cohesiveness right um and i think that's that's something that you know i think deserves kind of some some broader thinking um uh, and and to me that's probably been the most worrying part of what we've seen of late because again like the defense struggling because or the defense kind of reverting back to a large extent and you know not holding opponents to you know nba best three-point percentages i mean we talked about, I mean, that was never going to last, right? Like no. defensively, I think they needed to start over some off season in this off season, but offensively to get worse is probably the thing that worries me the most sort of as you head into to this summer um, or as you kind of gear up for a playoff run. Cause if they can't, you know, if, if they're going to grind their gears and, and be an effective offensively um, I mean, again, like right now, I mean, as we speak, the bucks are in the seventh spot. Um, it's not, you know, locked in that they're, you know, they have a chance to move up into the six range, certainly, um, which is especially appealing this year where the Indiana Pacers are currently the three spot. Yep. Um, but again, they're going to have to start playing better than they have. And they have another couple of, you know, quote unquote, easy games here this week. And then they start to face some, some more difficult games again. And uh, again, their, you know, their, their schedule is certainly not easier than, than most of the other teams are that they're, you know, com- competing against. So, so yeah, it's it's tough, and I don't know any other kind of things that jumped out of you from that conversation that you thought were worth kind of discussing. The other thing that kind of came to mind was just Zach bluntly saying like, Thunmaker is not good." <laughs> yeah, and, and them trying to figure out how he ever had hype as a good offensive player coming out of a uh, high school. Yeah, I mean, that was the the last point I was going to kind of talk about. And our friends over at Brew Hoop had ran a poll today. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but they ran a poll about whether or not people would want Thon to go to the G League as he's picking he's picked up DNPs and he just hasn't been playing a lot. Like, do you want to see him go to the G League? And I think it was something like 85% of people said yes. And it's just interesting because... I, I guess this is just kind of some of my ignorance surrounding the G League and kind of trying to figure out the best way to use guys there. But 
with Vaughn, like Zach said, and I mean, like we've said, I, I don't think I have the high pitch voice in me, but is he an NBA player? Like we've, we've talked about that for the entirety of the season and trying to figure that out. And when thinking about sending him to the G league, like the G league is a, an offensive friendly environment and an environment where if you're an NBA guy, you should be going and filling it up. Right. And every time Rashad Vaughn would get sent down, you'd get, you get some notification, you get some people in your mentions and be like, Oh, would you see Rashad put up 26 tonight? Like, what'd you think about that? And it'll be like, well, he took 20 shots. Like, that's not, that's never something he's going to do in the NBA. He's never going to get a game where he gets 20 shots and he's the primary playmaker and ball handler. Like that's just not going to exist, which is, part of the reason why I'm uncomfortable saying it's a good idea for Thon to go down there. Like, I don't, I don't care about Thon primary pl- playmaker. I don't care about Thon's dribbling. I don't care about Thon's creation ability. None of those things matter to me. I want to know if Thon can handle going up against bigger guys. And if he can hit spot up threes, only two things that matter to him being an NBA player. Are there going to be guys big enough to test him down in the G league? Probably not. Like it's a it's an undersized league. Like if you're big enough to be in the NBA, you go play in the NBA. And then beyond that, like, is he going to get spot up threes? I don't know. Maybe when Jennings was there, there would have been someone that could create enough to get him good looks. But I don't know if he's going to get those doing that. So I, I don't know. You're just kind of in an interesting spot with on. And like I said, maybe that that's my ignorance of the G league and there is ways to get him those type of looks, but it just doesn't seem possible as you, I would assume you're going to ask him to do more when he's down there when really I only care about him in a very specific role. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm fairly indifferent. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe this sort of just reflects my pessimism just in general about sort of thon at this point um i think the value of him going down would just be you know reps you know and again especially when you think about him as like a uh a defensive player and a pick and you know thon and pick and roll coverage things like that um you know i just don't think he's gonna magically figure this out over a summer right the things that he needs to get good at i think are more game rep type things and and then physically like getting bigger type things i mean his body, I mean, I think he's probably gotten a little stronger, but, you know, nothing you when you're watching him, like, you're not going to say, like, oh, this is a 19-year-old kid who came in and, like, he's physically matured over the last year and a half and he looks so much better than he did before. You know, I mean, this is, you know, like, if you want to get in all the, I, mean, I don't want to get into, like, the age-truthing stuff, right? But, I mean, he looks like basically, and he plays basically like the guy that we saw a year ago, um, which is pretty disappointing, right? Like, he just hasn't evolved in, in terms of his game or his you know body significantly i think again i think he's gotten a little bit stronger he's probably weighs more than he did a year ago but um it hasn't really translated into anything so I, i'd be fine with sending him to the g league i mean i don't again like i mean he's been around nba the, the nba experience it's not like he needs to know what the travel is like or that kind of stuff like at this point like he's he's seen a lot of that um you know i think again it's not like you know his the amount that he has played in the nba is still not a, a huge amount yep. um you know i think people i think people maybe don't realize how little he played last year um which you know again is maybe part of the reason why um why he you know uh maybe 
we got a little into the small sample size theater uh, part of it. Um, 560 minutes as a rookie, 1,100 this year. So he has played more minutes this year than Rashad Vaughn did as a rookie. <laughs> um, but again, it's not, you know, tons and tons of minutes, but there just hasn't been any type of, of you know, improvement or development. And, um, you know, again, I, I think offensively, I, I just, and we talked about it before the draft, I he'd never looked like he had much feel offensively. Um, you never saw any ad- evidence of like advanced kind of like moves, footwork, things like nope. that. But again, like he doesn't necessarily need that, right? If he can spot up, attack a closeout, you know, if he could run a pick and roll, rim run, things like that, then, you know, he could be a very useful offensive player. But we're just not seeing, you know, I mean, other than, you know, his shooting at times, um, you know, his rim running. I mean, we can probably count on one hand the amount of times he's, you know, had a pick and roll where he actually, you know, looked like a competent NBA player. I mean, he yep. again, he just can't catch passes, doesn't really play with with strength and explosion in confined spaces in particular. Uh, just doesn't seem to have instincts for for how to run a pick and roll. So, and again, I mean, we've talked as well. I mean, you might as well just have him pick and pop, right? Not even have him roll yep. to the rim. And so it, it's just been hard. And again, I mean, I, I don't think the Bucks are at the point where they would, you know, not pick up his um, fourth year player option next next fall. Um, but again, I mean, we're we're kind of now. I think next year is pretty damn important. You know, like if you yep. don't if you don't make meaningful strides going into that third season. Um, then I think, you know, as a, as a franchise, you start to say, okay, you know, I think this guy's probably just, you know, you're, you're, you're just not going to figure it out, right? You're just, you're just not going to get it. And again, the frustrating thing is he, the, the, the advancements he needs to make are not crazy. The the bar is not crazy high, right? To be a really good role player, um, there are things that would seem to be in his wheelhouse, but, uh, and you know, everybody always talks about how great of a worker he is, how great of a kid he is, but you know, again, it's not translating. I think justifiably, you know, Zeller and Henson are just clearly better options right now. And when you're trying to win games and actually, you know, move up in the playoffs and keep your pick and do all those things, um, you know, again, like they humored sort of the idea of, you know, fun for a long time this year. And I think at this point, you know, kind of the patience, I think justifiably ran out. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would not have an issue kind of sliding back and forth uh, just to get him minutes, but maybe keep him with the box in the event, you know, that you need him. Just as wait a, third a second. Pick. When you said, I mean, I lost you. Did you hear me say a thing about yo-yoing? Nope. Okay. I think the option of yo-yoing him down back and forth might be, might certainly make some sense. You know, you keep him around the team. If you need a third big on a given night, you have him available. Um, but you're also getting him minutes uh, with the herd. And and again, I mean, you also don't want to like tire him out with the travel and, and minutes of playing in the G League. But um, I think some of it too is just, you know, getting an evaluation of him, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if he, you know, we saw him really disappoint in Summer League if he goes down to the G League and just looks, you know, much worse than Joel Ballenboy every night. Um, then that probably says something again um, about what his ceiling is with this team and uh, what you do with them this summer. You know, if there is some team out there that still likes him and there's some trade package that might involve Thon in lieu of some other asset, um, you know, I think you want to have as as good of an idea as possible as to how you value him and what you think he's going to be. And, uh, you know, again, if if having him with the herd and getting in a look at him in that scenario maybe helps you a little bit um then then that could be a plus two but but yeah i don't i don't think there's any magic tonic there and by the way for the record eric i'm gonna fact check you 
Rashad Vaughn was a terrible G League player, so, so he wasn't even good there. But I agree, for the most part, guys like you know Xavier Munford, right? A guy who can't even sniff the Bucks rotation. He's a great G League player, right? Yeah. Um, he puts up big numbers. He puts up better numbers than Brandon Jennings, but uh, you know hasn't looked like a guy who is ready for you know sort of the moment, ready for being an NBA player. It's 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 a big leap. James Young again, you know, has James Young wowed people in Philly? Uh, no. Um, as good as he was for the for the herd, you know, it, it's it really is. It's a different league, and some guys can make that jump, and and most unfortunately can't. Well, here's the thing, Frank. You're gonna now get the Westchester highlights of Rashad Vaughn, where he was shooting from five feet behind the line and hitting threes. Uh, tweeted to you, and I'm gonna do it sometime tomorrow, and you're just gonna have to hey, deal with it because that's what you're gonna get. Twenty-four percent from three in seven G League. He only played seven G League games. All um, I'm telling you is there was a game last year in Westchester where he okay. went off, and people told me that he was going to be good. So you're going to get those highlights, and you're going to deal with it, Frank. That's well, just, hey, hey, that's man, how it's going to go. Don't don't be with those people. Forty-three percent true shooting in the G League. Come on, <laughs> come on. He was actually the irony I, is he but was that, better. That's what I said. I said if he just goes down in one game, yeah. it does well. I didn't say he was yeah. good, Frank. The, well, the irony is Rashad Vaughn was better this year in the NBA than he was in previously in the G League. So I don't know what that means. But um, I, I, by the way, it'll be funny uh, at the end of the year. I'm gonna have to do like do a comparison of Rashad Vaughn's numbers this year against like random NBA dudes who we don't think of as being terrible. I think it'd be surprising how many guys Rashad was actually not was actually better than this year, at least statistically. Um, but again, a small sample size for him this year. He obviously didn't play very much. But uh, anyway. I've, I think I've had enough Rashad Vaughn conversation for a lifetime. <laughs> well, if you are Rashad Vaughn and you're looking to make a little money this week, you can make some money betting at my bookie. If you haven't checked them out, this is the perfect time to get into the action. The madness of March is here. Lay down some money and score big on college hoops. Join thousands of players online and start betting at mybookie.ag are you sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout come join my bookie today you're wasting your time betting anywhere else they even have in-game live betting so you can even place a bet after tip-off which this week with a million games going on at one time should be a whole lot of fun Join now and MyBookie will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. You can even enter for a chance to win their million-dollar bracket challenge. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate offer. Again, that's LOCKEDONNBA. Visit MyBookie today. Play, win, and get paid at MyBookie.ag. Looking to see if they can play, win, and get paid tomorrow night is the Milwaukee Bucks, or I guess it'll be tonight. We are recording this on Tuesday night. Um, But tonight they have the Orlando Magic. The Magic are not very good. They have won two games since the All-Star break. Uh, They beat the Detroit Pistons and the Memphis Grizzlies on back-to-back nights on Friday, March 2nd and Saturday, March 3rd. Beyond that, they've lost a number of games. They've been close a couple of times. They had a one-point loss to the Lakers uh, last Wednesday, um, an eight-point loss to the Clippers, six-point loss to the Kings. So, you know, they've... 
you know, <laughs> kind of been around. Um, but they are currently starting uh, against the Clippers on Saturday night. Um, and I guess they're playing tonight against the Spurs. I didn't check the score on that one. Um, but not close, not close. They lost by they lost by thirty six tonight. So that would make a lot of sense. Um, they're starting DJ Augustine, Maria Hazonia, Jonathan Isaac. Um, I'm trying to think who else. John, Jonathan Simmons Jonathan, and Nikola Vucevic. There you go. Um, yeah. So that tells you a little bit about their team and kind of how how things are going. Um, they're not good at basketball. The Milwaukee Bucks should beat them. I I don't really know. Do I need to preview any further? I can tell you about their offensive and defensive rating. Their offensive rating is 20th in the league. Their defensive rating is 27th. Uh, those numbers according to Basketball Reference. So they're not good at basketball. Milwaukee Bucks should beat them. Yeah, I, uh, I think we're, we, we will have to note that uh, Mario Hazonia has been a uh, certified Bucks killer this year. He's shooting 54% from the field, uh, averaging uh, 18 points a game, which is the most, of his, uh, the most that he's averaging against any team uh, in the NBA this year. So, yeah, Mario has looked actually like an NBA player. He, he's been okay this year, actually. He's been definitely better this year than he was the previous couple of years. And uh, again, he's a guy that had his, his rookie option declined. So he is going to be a free agent this summer. Uh, and he certainly, I think, you know, reacted the way you would hope by actually playing uh, better basketball. But again, um, you know, them starting Isaac and his at the forward spots. Uh, Aaron Gordon uh, was doubtful for tonight's game with a concussion. So I would just as soon guess that he's not going to play tomorrow, given that they're uh, probably going to play it very safe with him, given that they tank battle uh that they're in and um evan, i thought you were going to say something about like the seriousness of head injuries um but no the seriousness no, of their tank no. would be the reason they'd play that one safe yes <laughs> yeah exactly no reason to, to risk a uh, risk head injury in a game that you want to lose um and evan fournier has also been out uh, i guess he's I, is he after the season he hurt his knee so anyway he he has been out uh, terrence ross has been out for for quite some time so a number of key guys and basically the best players uh, very likely uh, not playing against the Bucks. So again, zero excuse for the Bucks not to to take care of business though. Yes, there is some NBA talent on the Magic roster. They I guess they are better than than the uh, than the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, but in terms of uh, I guess continuing the slow build up in Brandon Jennings opponents, uh, this is I guess a, another example of that uh, where he's going to play a, a team that uh, does not have a whole lot of NBA talent. You'd hope that the Bucks obviously can take advantage. All right, that's all I got for tonight. Um, I don't really need to add anything more. The Bucks should win. If they don't, it's embarrassing and they should feel bad. That's that's about all I got. For Frank Men, I'm Eric Name. This has been Locked on Bucks. We are brought to you by MyBookie. Again, head over to MyBookie. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. They will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. So Locked on NBA to activate the offer at MyBookie.ag. That's going to be it for us. We will talk to you after the Bucks play the Orlando Magic. I was going to say beat, but I didn't want that to come back to haunt me. I really hope that doesn't happen. We'll talk to you tomorrow.